0: You are listening to Seattle Sports Saturday Saturday. with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Got three hours of fun heading your way. Got Lydia Cruz on my left, Taylor Jacobs on my right. I'm Curtis Rogers. Guys, it's posturing season. No one has committed to anything, but boy, oh boy, rumors
1: are out there. I'm told proper posture is the way to go. So it's everybody is uh, pro
2: posture. Yeah, yeah.
1: Fix your posture. Got to have good <laughs> posture. But everybody
0: just jockeying for position uh, when it comes to free agency in the NFL. Who's going to have the you know the most money to spend? Jadevian Clowney. Uh, you know how much is he going to be worth out on the market? We've heard rumors that he wants to reset everything. Who knows, really? And we're still 11 days away
2: from free agency? That many, huh?
0: It's a long time. It doesn't go
1: quickly this time of year. I got to be honest. No. No, yeah. And 11 days feels like anything can happen in that amount of time. There could be trades. There could be these leaked signings that aren't supposed to happen. I mean, Mike Vrabel's FaceTiming Tom Brady, but it's just like it's no big deal. It's not tampered. No rules. No just rules. Right. This
2: They're time of year friends. also puts me back in sort of the high school mentality framework where you just there's a lot of rumors, there's a lot of mm-hmm. gossip. Mm-hmm. It, you don't know what's true, you know what's real, but you know you participate anyway because you're so starved, thinking about the prospect of getting free agents. And I
0: think a lot of people use those rumors to increase their influence out there, even though they may not have that. Just. It, on their own. I think, you know, we've heard the Giants be interested in Jadevian Clowney.
2: Yeah, sure thing, But, Giants. like,
0: they won, what, four games last year, five games? They're, they they haven't been competitive in, like, four or five seasons. Dave Gettleman doesn't really know what he's doing as general manager. I think that's a pretty safe thing to say about that organization. And yet we've heard rumors from, you know, yesterday, I think it was SNY, that TV network out in New York City, uh Report that they would be interested in Jadevian Clowney, and you know we're going to hear a lot of other teams. I think jump into that fray. You know, obviously the Seahawks are there. We've heard the Colts, the Titans. There is probably going to be even more teams. There is going to be surprise teams that come out of the no that come out of the woodwork, and it's it's just like you know what this time of year, I guess you got to keep those blinders on.
1: Yeah, I mean, also great question here. The Seahawks were able to sign Greg Olson. Even though free agency is only 11 days away. I think that's because he was released, yes. correct?
0: Yes. So players that have been released or cut by their teams already, you can sign them at any point. Um, but teams that their contracts expire naturally, um, they are subject to the new league year. So anybody that has been cut by a team, you can go out there and, and get.
1: That's and, still technically last season. Yes, yeah,
0: wow. we're operating under the 2019
1: rules, but Greg Olson's money will count towards the 2020 salary cap. And one thing to keep in mind while this 11 days is closing in is there's a CBA lurking out there. Could yeah. that have an impact on the salary cap, how much they can spend, how much they can't spend?
2: I like the idea of it's like a nature show and the CBA is just yeah. lurking in the bushes somewhere. It's like the alligator eyes that are just in a swamp. Oh,
0: gorgeous CBA. Or it's, yeah. it's one of those fish that like changes colors to the environment that's around them. Yeah. And then when this little, you know- Guppy? The, yeah, swims by, just bam! Sucker. Got him!
1: Yeah. You you thought! That's really- that's Those things are really terrifying in nature. If you think about it, like natural camouflage, they just- Developed that because that's how they eat. Well, and depending on how this language works out
0: in the CBA, could be terrifying for players if you know they don't dot their eyes, cross their t's. Because this is ten years worth of of an agreement that's being put forth here. You got to make sure everything is set in stone before. You sign on the dotted line. We heard yesterday the Seahawks players were on sort of like a conference call. Tyler Lockett tweeted out, hey, if you're a Seahawk and and you're, you know, if you've gotten your ballot, text KJ Wright. He'll give you the number to call in. Um, So there's a lot of stuff going on on that front. I believe they have a two-week time frame for all players in the NFL, all players in the NFLPA, to sign off on that or to vote no. So we will wait and see on uh, just how that goes. We've heard a lot of speculation. You know, the the players who are sort of the, they make up the majority of the league, the mid-level players and players on rookie the deals. Poor. Yeah, the free agents, they appear to be more in favor of this than the guys who are more established in the league. So uh, still a lot of developments to get to with that, but uh, we'll get to our big three. Number, Number one.
1: Well, the Seattle Sounders FC made their season debut after an MLS Cup raised the banner into the rafters and left with a 2-1 victory over the Chicago Fire as local product Mercer Island's own Jordan Morris scoring both goals for the Sounders, the brace to help them win that game. Looking to continue their good form of late, technically, because there's only been one MLS game. As they take on the Columbus crew tonight at 7 p.m., yes, the game will still proceed despite growing coronavirus concerns in the area. They will still have the game. Also, quick note, there will be no local streaming option. So if you stream the games, look, they're on ESPN+, Plus. but if you're local, they have a local blackout, so you won't be able to stream through ESPN+. Plus. If you have Joe TV, don't worry about it. You can watch it there but uh, many people still will kind of struggle to find that game if you're outside of the Seattle area. So you're not hearing it here, but maybe go to Reddit and maybe try and find somewhere or someone who knows what to do on there because there's solutions out there if you're looking to watch the Sounders game in a streaming variety Can do so that way. Number Number two.
0: two. Rumor season, it is upon us in the NFL, like we said, to start off. Let's start with Jadeveon Clowney. In addition to Seattle, he's for the Colts, Titans, and Giants, all named as candidates for his services in 2020 and beyond. His price tag, rumored to be somewhere between $18 million and $25 million, depending on who you believe. He could be looking to become the highest-paid defensive player in the league. With Seattle in the market for pass rush help, Clowney is not the only name they've been tied to. Jacksonville defensive end Yannick Ngakwe announced earlier in the week his desire to move on from the Jags, but not before the team decided to saddle him with the franchise tag. Now, with that comes the expected trade rumors, and Seahawks have been front and center in those. Tony Pauline of the Pro Football Network reported earlier in the week Seattle and Jacksonville are rumored to have been involved in trade talks that would include multiple draft picks changing hands, including Jacksonville getting possession of Seattle's first-round pick Will any of these rumors come true? Maybe. We will definitely keep you up to date as they
1: develop. Number three.
2: The Mariners starting pitching rotation better than we thought. Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer had a great article on this at 710sports.com, and we'll discuss a little bit later in the show. But over the past 10 games leading up until yesterday... Mariners starters have combined for a 1.57 ERA, a whip under one, eight walks, 25 strikeouts. We've seen a lot of positives this spring. Yusei Kikuchi really working on and improving his timing in the offseason. Scott service saying he uh, saw vast improvement there. Justice Sheffield, his control, also working on his changeup, which can be a devastating pitch for him. Justin Dunn out there, his three-strikeout performance. A lot of swag on the mound, too, against the Angels lineup that's Pretty intimidating, yet the best player in baseball. Shohei Otani also in there, as well as Rendon, new acquisition for them. Albert Pujols, you know, I guess he has hit one or two uh, dingers in his life. Never heard of him. (laughs) But uh, positive signs for some of the youth as well. And then Kendall Graveman, too, still working back from Tommy John surgery. Only had two games under his belt last year in the Cubs minor league system. And not only was his velo up there touching about 96, but He had uh, an ability to work out of some jams this spring that's been positive. Taiwan Walker, pitched in a sim game earlier this week, also had... Impressive velo now scheduled to get the start for the Monday uh, on Monday against the Brewers. We'll discuss more about what the starting pitching rotation could look like uh, if it is a little bit improved. I think nobody has real doubts about Jerry Depoto's ability to get bats or or to create hits here in Seattle. But pitching's definitely been one of those concerns. So what if that staff is better in 2020? We'll discuss at 945
0: a.m. And the Mariners, they will uh, take on the Oakland Athletics This afternoon beginning at noon right here on Seven Ten ESPN Seattle. We will take you right up into the pregame show. That is this hour's big three. Some honorable mentions. The Huskies stunning. The Sun Devils down in Tempe on Thursday night. Uh, Really playing spoiler to ASU's NCAA tournament hopes right now. We will get into sort of the Pac-12 as it stands uh, with the NCAA tournament now. Just what, Selection Sunday is next Sunday? Two Sundays from now. It's it's Uh, close. Yes. Uh, But, yeah, it is getting really close, so uh, we will get into that picture. Also, could the Huskies potentially be a a surprising team in the Pac-12 tournament? Doesn't seem like it, but who knows? Who knows how this is going to work out? Also this week, ESPN's lead NHL columnist, Greg Wyshynski, he had sort of speculation on what the NHL Seattle's team name is going to be. and He he tiered
2: them, which I really He did.
0: And in that top tier, the number one spot, the Kraken, number one. And he said he talked to a couple people that have speculated on this. He talked to uh, the blogger that was able to scoop the NHL on the Vegas Golden Knights nickname a couple years ago, and he says with 97% certainty that Seattle is going to go with Kraken as the team name. so
2: Yeah, even had Kraken HC, I think, as yeah, one of the other options in the in Tier 1. This was an incredibly well-researched article. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about looked into like trademarked, looked into even the minor league team and what oh. they had done in Palm Springs, trying to name that team. So you should check it out, and we'll discuss more as well.
0: Yeah, that's coming up. Uh, we're going to talk that at 1045 today. And then, uh, obviously, here in the Northwest and, and really globally – Uh, A lot of concern with the coronavirus. Uh, Obviously, uh, the news yesterday that a CenturyLink Field employee who worked the February 22nd Seattle Dragons game tested positive for coronavirus, but the King County Health Department said the risk to those in attendance was low. And right now, no scheduled sporting events have been canceled. Taylor, you mentioned in your Big 3 that today's Sounders game will be played as scheduled. Um, There was news this week that Seattle U had two basketball games canceled this week, one against Chicago State, one against Missouri-Kansas City. Um, obviously, they were canceled because there was a you know, it's the you don't know where this virus is going to uh, attack, but also with that, Chicago State, their athletic department is operating under a serious deficit and I, th- I think it was more to do with saving on travel costs than it was avoiding potential exposure to the coronavirus. But, obviously, a serious situation like that, It you know, it's important to avoid anything like that. But I, I think with that situation specifically, Chicago State and Missouri Kansas City both backing out, um, I think it was due more to travel costs than anything.
1: Yeah, it's a good out for yeah. them. So. Keeping,
2: uh, we'll keep you updated on yeah. the news yeah. side over 97.3, our FM side, so if you are interested... They've done a great job of keeping this coverage going in MyNorthwest.com as well.
0: Yeah, they've been going wall-to-wall over there all week. So that is yeah, that is your place if you're very interested in any news that develops from that situation. Uh, make sure you head over that way. But uh, coming up in this hour, we've heard a lot of sound this week. Uh, could people be interested in coming to Seattle? Could they be interested in leaving? Well, there are two names that stand out above everybody else. Jadevian Clowney, Yannick, and Gakway. Who do you got? We talk that next, Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On
3: 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: It's good to be a pass rusher in the NFL right now because there aren't a whole lot to go around that are worthy of of top dollar. We're going to see a couple of them get some serious, serious paychecks in their way. And two of them right now very much involved in the Seahawks' plans that would be Jadeveon Clowney, who we all know. Yannick Ngakwe, who we don't quite know as much, but he has played against the Seahawks before and has had eight-plus sacks in every one of his four seasons, only 24 years old.
2: Part of the reason they started calling it Saxonville there for a while, which sounds like a rejected Kenny G album, <laughs> but he was, part, he was responsible for that as well.
0: Yeah, he's he's really good, really young, and really athletic—all uh, things that uh, I don't know if I am any of those things anymore. So no, he's quite
1: unique, you uh, could say. Oh, eh, eh. I've been waiting probably we'll be three weeks we'll to say that because I've been gone. Wow! Mad. So I've, I workshop in that one <laughs> when we settled on this was actually how you pronounce his name, and I was gone listening to seven ten on vacation like a weirdo. Um, I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to get back on Saturday and make this terrible dad joke. So, so in order thanks. for the Seahawks to come away with either one of these
0: guys, they're going to have to fork over either a lot of payment or, in and Ngakwe's case, draft picks and then a contract. So when putting these two guys, the tail of the tape, together, which price tag are you more comfortable with the Seahawks paying? potentially twenty plus million for clowny services or
1: the draft pick route for unique and Gakwe. i mean I know i'm this year specifically i don't want to trade any picks unless we're moving up as a, as an organization trying to get someone at the top of this draft but it just feels like they have wide receivers graded out in the first three rounds, and they are all these top-flight receivers. They have defensive linemen. It's a little bit weaker as a total class as far as top-tier top talent, but I think that's where you can really hit on a couple of those guys who maybe are falling because of circumstance because... You know, other positions they're also limited. There's only a few great offensive linemen in this draft, so you've got to pick them up when you can. The quarterbacks, there's going to be a bunch of quarterbacks going in the first round this year, so it feels like yes, this defensive line group isn't as good as years and years prior. But I would just, I would rather risk it in those low cost situations where. Even if they don't pan out and you have an L.J. Collier situation and it takes a year plus for him to really get going and get his feel for the NFL, it's not going to cost you so much on the salary cap. And it'll allow you to go out and get some of those, not some, but at least one to two free agents to help sort of teach them and guide them and fill the big gaps where you need.
2: Yeah, I think that's an important part of the conversation, which maybe we'll get to here later in this hour, that you can't just add one guy. So when we talk about Clowney or we talk about Ngakwe, it just it can't just be one guy. You have significant problems on the pass rush and depth problems as well. So I think in that regard, well a lot of a lot of places have projected the Seahawks taking Eater Gross Moss out of Penn State there in the first round. But another important point is that if you do trade up, the next best pass rusher or the pass rusher like there's Chase Young basically, and then there's everyone else, and the drop off is very steep. Tony Pauline. Of Pro Football Network. He also had a report that the Seahawks were interested in trading for Ngakwe earlier this week, but he talked about how that drop off is so steep. So are you going to trade up reasonably? Because are you going to get to pick number two in this draft? Probably not.
1: Yeah, no, it, we're. What did you think, Curtis? We're talking about this off the air. Just This is just all speculation and projecting. But. Yeah, if
0: the Seahawks wanted to trade up for Chase Young to get the number 2 pick, essentially, they would have to give up at least their first this year, both seconds in this year's draft, and probably next year's first, and maybe even the 22 first-round pick. So we're talking maybe five draft picks, all of them... At the very top of the draft, which is a steep price to pay, but also if Chase Young is who he's billed to be, that would be a, a steal because you're getting tremendous pass rush talent at a rookie contract price, which would free up a little bit more to do. But also, it would take you completely out of the Yannick and Ngakwe sweepstakes because those draft picks, that's what you would have to use to get Ngakwe. Which would then really,
1: you would have to really put everything in on Jadevian Clowney. Yeah, and I know I just spent my whole last part of my segment being like, don't trade any picks. But if you truly feel like you're just one piece away, and these Seahawks may be one piece away, they were a great team. They had a bunch of injuries, and if you think if the injury ball doesn't quite bounce the way it did at the end of the season... And you're able to add some pieces. What will this team look like in comparison to some of the other NFC teams? And you got to like their chances. And maybe they're one elite pass rusher, including if they re-sign Cloudy, an additional pass rusher away from being that team that everyone fears in the NFC. If that's truly the case, then maybe that trade for Chase Young, even though it seems so steep, maybe it's worth it.
2: Comparing Ngakwe and Clowney, I thought Tony Pauline had a a good breakdown of the skill sets of both of these. So when you're considering what you would rather pay, top dollar versus maybe some draft picks, and then the right to pay Ngakwe down the line as well. And he's probably going to want a pretty decent sum. Jacksonville reportedly offered him $19 million annually, and he didn't like that. But here is Tony Pauline on comparing both these pass rusher skill sets.
3: I think Clowney, when he's healthy, when he's focused, is, is much more of an impact player. I think he's much
0: more of a three-down player. Unique, uh, I think, Nick Gogway, I think, is more of an edge rusher, edge rush specialist. He's a good player. I, I mean, I remember uh, you know, him from Maryland, his ability to get out in space and make plays. But I think Clowney is just much more the impact player and more the complete player at the position. Do you guys I, agree? Yeah, I think so. I think what we have seen from Clowney – over the last calendar year here in Seattle, is somebody that can change the game in multiple facets. Now, that's not to say Yannick Ngakwe is unable to do that. I think what was it? Uh, Who's Michael DeRocco, I think is his name. Uh, who is Jacksonville the Jacksonville reporter? Yeah, the yep. Jacksonville reporter for ESPN.com, dot com. He tweeted out yesterday, and Ngakwe was very quick to retweet this. <laughs> uh, he tweeted that of the twelve defensive touchdowns Jacksonville has had. Over the last four seasons, Ngakwe has been directly responsible for six of those, whether it be a pick six, fumble recovery, or him forcing a fumble that was picked up by somebody else that scored. So Radio in,
1: Math tells me that's half Curtis. It is. Can confirm. Can confirm, big if true. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll just have to wait and see on this <laughs> one. But yeah, Ngakwe has that ability too, at least to get to the pa- or at least to get to the quarterback. We don't know how he is against the run. We've heard varying reports on on just how good he is against the run.
2: Dave Wyman, our own Dave Wyman, saying that what he's watched and what he's seen, that Clowney is much better against the run. And we know in the NFC West there's a few teams that like to run the football. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah, that 49ers team especially is with Raheem Monster. Uh, You have Jarek McKinnon in there as well, Matt Breida. I mean, they've got running backs for days. Yeah, Kyle Juszczyk, too. In case you want to throw a
1: fullback in there.
2: Let's not forget the Rams, and we'll see what the future of Todd Gurley looks like. But they definitely placed a lot of money and value into that. And then, of course, in Arizona, Kyle Murray, and then the mystery of David Johnson, I don't know. But
0: But Kenyon Drake is there. And, well, Drake is a free agent, but from what we kind of hear, it sounds like, Arizona is very ready to pony up anything that would keep uh, Kenyon Drake interested in returning to the desert. But yeah, when I look at these two guys, I just I don't want the Seahawks to feel or to make a panic move and to pay Clowny twenty four twenty five million dollars or to give up even more than what we've heard them you know be speculated with with Ngakwe. Like if they give up a first this year and a first next year for Ngakwe, that would be that would be way too much and uh, you know that this Seahawks team has a lot more they need to fill out outside of pass rusher too because right tackle that's going to be a spot they need somebody at if Jermaine Fetty doesn't return what or when Jermaine Fetty doesn't return uh, there are other you know in the secondary they've got holes there to fill too so the Seahawks right now i i just don't want them to make a panic move like we saw them do a couple of years ago when they traded for Sheldon Richardson giving up a second round pick because Malik McDowell didn't pan out at all uh and then they traded another second round pick for Dwayne Brown, and all of a sudden you have no draft capital at all that to me is is a spot where I think the Seahawks recognized a couple of years ago like oh, we cannot do this and remain competitive year after year after year. We really have to you know emphasize the draft in order to get that young young Controllable
1: and affordable talent.
2: And, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: That's what they're doing. Do you think, just real quick, crystal ball before we go to break, you gotta make a prediction one of these guys, or or maybe somehow you think both or none of these guys next year who will be in a Seahawks uniform of those two?
2: I'm predicting clowny, just that's a known quantity that someone that you know fits in and fits your system. And if you have to overpay someone, I think that's your option. Also, because Uh, paying for the rights, paying in draft capital for the rights to eventually pay, uh, Unique, I think, hasn't been Pete and John's style.
0: I would like to say Clowney, but I think his price tag's going to get to the point where the Seahawks are out on him. So I'm going to
1: say Ngakwe. Mm. Wow. All right,
2: tiebreaker over there.
1: You're on the spot. Uh, (laughs) Clowney. I think Clowney okay. does end up here. I think Lydia hit it on the spot that Pete and John love to have those guys that they know about and they like to re-sign those guys. And He seemed to fit the, the attitude and the culture here in Seattle so it feels like they're going to try, they'll most likely overpay to keep him here. Text in to the text line
0: 710710 710, who you would take of those two, Clowny or Ngakwe. Uh, we'll read some of our Some of the best answers you have for us coming up a little bit later. But coming up next, we heard yesterday from Cliff Averill and Danny and Gallant speaking about Michael Bennett and Bruce Irvin. Is the grass greener away from Seattle, or do they recognize that they may be missing out on stuff? Let's get into that next here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710
3: ESPN Seattle.
0: When you were a kid, did you ever get rid of a toy a little earlier than, I guess, you were comfortable with? You're like, oh, I'm not going to miss that. And then a couple weeks later, you're like, dang,
1: I wish I still had that. I mean, I don't know about toys. There has to be toys. I'm sure there's like like some sweatshirt. There's some shoes, for shoes, sure. Yeah. So, uh, th- <laughs> the, was... sneak,
2: the resident sneaker yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, of
1: course, it's a, there's always a pair of sneakers. I got a pair of sneakers, two pairs of Jordans for my buddy's brother. They were like the first Jordans I ever bought. Laney Jordan 5s and the Mocha Jordan 3s, which are like a brownish color, mm-hmm. right, and all I got made fun of so hard for wearing them, but wow. people called them like the poop Jordans. No. Things like that. And as a kid, right, that's that's brutal yeah. to hear. Like, no, I thought they were cool. Social suicide. Didn't care. Wore them until they literally started flapping. Mm-hmm. And then I swear to you, it must have been the same day that they started flapping. That people are like, wait a second. I think Mocha 3s are actually one of the coolest Jordans around. And then it was like, what the I just wore them into the ground, and then now they're cool, and I don't have them anymore, and I'm not cool. So, but I yeah. think that my, just means that's story.
2: the heavy is the crown, Tay, of the style yeah. of the style icon, because you don't want to just wear what everyone else thinks is cool. You no. want to be the trendsetter, you literally set the trend.
1: I guess, but at the same time, man, I kind of would have liked to ride the wave that I made. That's true. <laughs> Might be a big whale and make waves, but I, I would like to ride a wave.
2: Every Heavy day. is that burden. I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: sorry. And you're right. You're right. I, have to, <laughs> I have to wear that crown. So that conversation got
0: me thinking, there have been a lot of guys that have left the Seahawks organization in, I guess, a huff. Or they were just, you know what, I don't need this anymore. I'm going to go win elsewhere. I'm going to go have the same kind of success in other organizations. It's going to be fine. Two of those names are free agents this offseason, and two of those names are players that I think the Seahawks might have interest in, but I think they the players themselves have a lot of interest in rejoining the Seahawks. We're talking Michael Bennett and Bruce Irvin. And <laughs> both of those guys got their deal or Michael Bennett got traded to the Eagles, then went to the Patriots, then the Cowboys. So he's been on four teams in what, two years, three years? Bruce Irvin went to the Raiders, got his big payday, got cut from the Raiders, joined the Panthers and the Falcons. So he's been on three teams in the last two or three seasons. It's been a rough go of it for him as well. Seattle kind of represents this place where both of those guys, I think, outgrew the system here, or at least outgrew, I guess, what Pete and John were about. Michael Bennett specifically, where those stories in Sports Illustrated and ESPN of him, you know, reading books in team meetings and not really paying attention. Uh, you know, obviously we've heard stories about you know how he was in the locker room and just around the Seahawks facility. And it was, you know, this is a guy that I think did not enjoy his last couple of years here in Seattle. But comparing those years to what he has gone through in New England and Dallas and Philadelphia. I mean I think he probably looks at his years in Seattle now and says man I wish I wish I had that back.
2: Hindsight's 2020 and it's why living in a different city or experiencing different cultures is always a great thing because it makes you sometimes like those places more but oftentimes makes you realize how cool the original place where you currently live or where you currently work is and That appreciate it's very human. So I don't fault him. Sometimes people just need a change or they need a different environment to flourish. And other times it's more you're right that they couldn't appreciate it in the time fully. Cliff Averill, I love this, on what Danny and said, nothing really compares to Seattle, and he still talks to former teammates about that.
3: We talk about this all the time. It's not just with Michael Bennett, but, you know, uh, uh, Earl and Cam and all of us, we all get together and we all talk about how, 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 how fun it was to be together. You know, it, the organization was great, but more so the players. And I think Michael Bennett misses that, right? He, he's, he's been to a few different cities in, in three years and he realized he realized and understands like the, the difference in culture, the difference in the type of players that are in locker rooms and different things like that, and it doesn't compare.
2: But I think that's an important distinction, too, is the players. When he mentions the bonds and the community that you have now, Pete and John are responsible for that because they acquired those players, they built that culture, but I do think that a big part of it is also Like any job, who the people are that you get to work with on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, and uh, Michael Bennett's boss in New England, someone he did not get
1: along with. New, yeah, that's got to be a difficult boss to work for.
0: Yeah, and especially when you're, I I guess a a good way to describe Michael Bennett's personality is Mm -hmm. Uh, free-spirited. Great way. (laughs) Bill Belichick is very by the book and very, like, I think he grew up in a military family, Mm -hmm. and he's big into, like, military history. Somebody like that that. isn't going to, you know, they're not going to be okay with people making waves around them the way Michael Bennett has done his entire career, whereas Pete Carroll is a coach that allows for his players to have that kind of personality and really, you know, builds those kinds of players up.
2: Different people respond to different leadership structures, different types, different philosophies. You see it in the college ranks as well. Uh, more players coaches versus more strict militaristic style it everybody needs different things and yeah when when we saw Michael go it was one of those situations where are you really going to find a place that allows you to be yourself who you are as a person and, and a competitor as much as Seattle does I don't think so
1: and not only that just when you're successful in Seattle it's a way different feeling than when you're successful in Boston because in Boston or Philly they're still going to criticize. They're going to be hypercritical. The fans are going to let you hear it. Even if you're like, the Patriots win too much, right? Yes. They win way too much. And yet, if you were to t- t- tune into Boston radio, you would still hear people complaining, criticizing the way the Patriots do things. And you don't hear that here in Seattle, and that's not a diss on people in Seattle, but we're just different fans, and we approach the game differently. So I feel like when you win, the community has a different embrace than when you go somewhere else and win, especially on the East Coast, because it may not always be as joyous and as happy as you think, but in Seattle, when we have winners, we support them to the the
3: unteenth degree.
0: Cliff Averill was asked by Danny and Gallant uh, just what are Michael Bennett's plans, and if those involve Seattle, here's what he had to say.
3: You know what? I wouldn't be surprised. He jokes around. He's like, man, I think I'm done. But he's been telling me he's done in February for the last three years. So mm-hmm. so once April rolls around, May rolls around, I keep telling him the same thing. He's like, just just talk to me in May, and we'll we'll see where you're really at. But I, I do think if the opportunity presented itself to possibly finish here in Seattle – I wouldn't be surprised if he took that. Hmm. Really?
2: That must be such a mercurial thought process to go through. Because, yeah, one day you might wake up and be like, you know what? I'm done. I just my body hurts today. I feel like I I want to spend time with my family. Maybe even a few hours later, you're like, dude, I miss the grind. I miss my brothers and arms. I miss that I miss my body hurting.
1: Yeah. The good old days. I think Andy Bernard in the office has that quote <laughs> at the, in the season finale of like what I wish you could know you were in the good old days when you were, when you're in them. And it's like for, for Mike B and you know, Bruce as well, these were the glory days and these are when they had their most success. And this is when they were beloved and they were figures in the city and they had such an impact. And you know, when you, when it's gone, it's, you know it's a, a truly a thing to miss
2: it's also probably a great community when you are on the uh, on the end of your career because the city is so loyal to its players if you want to make a transition and stay in this community, whether it's to the media, whether it's in any other regard, this community there's a reason a lot of players and people stick around here because,
0: specifically Seahawks yeah. yeah because of the other teams in town Mariners like, too yeah there are there is a good number of former Mariners that still live in the city of Seattle, but they're all I think there's a way bigger number of former Seahawks that still live here and still do business here and work here and you know they're around town and they go to games they're visible within the city and i think michael bennett you know he lives in hawaii in the offseason, but also you know i think seattle is a place that you know obviously there are there's a section of the fan base that you know doesn't like him for you know his political views whatever but i think they would be able to put those aside if you know michael bennett came back and was productive with the seahawks again and you know was just the the Michael Bennett that I think we all kind of fell in love with at the beginning of his time here in Seattle. And, you know, he was just a a great guy to be around and, you know, very active in the community. Uh, Cliff Averill also spoke about Bruce Irvin and if he would be interested in coming back too. here's what he had to say.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely think so. I mean, uh, Bruce Irvin, for one, obviously he was drafted here. So I would not be surprised if, if they reached out to him and he'd be excited to come back. You know, he's joked around with me a few times over the years, like, man, you know, if I got the opportunity, I'd definitely take it. You know, so may, if that opportunity presents itself, I would not be surprised if if he um, if he took it. But again, I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. make it sound like I have some inside scoop or anything like that. But yeah, for sure. I, w- I would not be surprised if those guys came this way because it's where it all started. It's where they had the most success as well.
2: Bring back Bruce,
3: man! Can you win a game in the first quarter? No! Can you win the oh, no, no! No! You win no. A game? The no! No! Can you win the game in the fourth quarter? No! No! Oh,
2: yeah! We've all been that person that just like raises their hand a little too soon. They just get really excited about chiming in.
1: Right? Plus, I would love a Bruce No 2.0. Yeah, uh, the Bruce No. Bruce That's- No. Uh. <laughs> That just, that's such a good drop, Bruce, Hell, yes. Bruce, yes. yes. Uh, and then Dave in the
0: background going, who? Uh, <laughs> it's good stuff. Real good stuff. Coming up next, speaking of good stuff, the Mariners starting rotation in spring training. They've been setting guys down, so what if they're better than we think they're going to be? Where does that put the Mariners' rebuild? We talk that next here on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs.
3: On 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: Coming up, we'll give you our big three from a national perspective in about 15 minutes. We're a little more than an hour away from kickoff between the Dragons and the Houston Roughnecks. The 1-3 Dragons, 4-0 Roughnecks. B.J. Daniels hasn't been named the starting quarterback yet, but uh, at least publicly, but I would imagine that's going to be the case.
2: It might split time between those two. Yeah, B.J. He has struggled in some certain past situations, but so has Brandon. So it, it just it adds to the mystery of this game. I'm predicting why not? There would be an upset in this game because we've seen weirder things, seemingly weirder things happen in the XFL, like uh, Tampa Bay blanking the D.C. defenders when a couple people thought that was the best team to start out the season. So who knows? Why not have an upset today against the only undefeated team still left in the XFL?
1: Yeah, they, they may need it though, in order to kind of spark the run to get into the playoffs at the end of the year.
2: It's interesting though because Landry Jones going down in Dallas. Now the Wildcats, the the Dragons, it gets a little more interesting because the Renegades, they're kind of wondering who is going to be under center right now.
0: Yeah, Landry Jones, that was that was a franchise right there. Even
2: though he was so pick happy this year too. So it's yeah. not like it's probably a huge drive- of? I don't know. We'll see.
0: But uh, yeah, XFL action coming up at 11 o'clock. You can catch the Dragons game on ABC today. Uh, Mariners baseball coming up at noon here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Uh, Mariners taking on the Oakland A's. And one thing we have seen from the Mariners over the couple weeks of Cactus League action that have, you know, that are in the rear view is that their starting rotation has actually held up quite nicely. And we've seen Good performances out of just about everybody, and even when there was a bad performance, most notably Marco Gonzalez against the Cubs in his first start, and then Yusei Kikuchi in his first start. I believe that was the Cactus League opener. Both those guys struggled, but they bounced back nicely from that. And Kikuchi specifically, what was it the other day? He was touching 95, 96 on the gun. He was striking Mm -hmm. out angels left and right. It was really nice to see, and
2: yeah. It's that timing that they have talked to him so much about, and it, his mechanics weren't the same when he came over from Japan. But this is someone that was going through an immense amount of change, a lot of it positive, but a lot of it also just tough cultural change. He lost his father, like right before the season started. Had to move to a new a new country, new teammates, new language. Had a new baby with his wife.
1: Second game, had to watch his hero retire, right? retire in, in his game. home country.
2: I mean, so much going on, and more than you know, most of us have to deal with in our professional careers in one year. So it was it was nice to see that his timing. That's what you're looking for in in spring training. Specific things that players have worked on all off season. To pay off. So that was great to see from him. And I actually love the quote, too. I think it was from Scott Service about this being the best time for starting pitchers during spring t- training because they can work on those things without having to worry about wins and losses
1: this is the best time of the year to be a starting pitcher if you think about it <laughs> the fact
0: that, you know, uh, spring training is about the pitching and getting them ready and getting them built up but uh, uh our guys you know they've got specific things that that they are working on um they're taking them out they're starting to get in their normal rotation now once every five days um and getting their work in there but I think we've had a, a like I said the, the player plan meetings have been really a big thing for us this spring, and, and sitting down and taking all of the analytics, showing the guys, here's where you're really good. How can we get the best version of yourself to come out more consistently? That's what it's about to be a good big leaguer, um, and getting those guys to understand that clearly uh, it has been it's been a fun process. Um, now it's fun to see if they could take it and put it in play.
2: Just a few stats on the starting pitching leading up into the game yesterday, the ten games previous. Starting pitchers for the M's through spring training had combined for a 1.57 ERA, a .87 whip, 8 walks, and 25 strikeouts.
0: I'll take that. take that every day. We yeah, know it's spring too. training. You yeah. get
2: it. But at the same time, you're not looking in the wins and losses column. You're looking for these little areas of growth.
0: And you look at the Mariners right now, their wins and losses column is not pretty. No, I think no, they're like no, no. 4-9. But there have been a lot of good things that have come from this early part of the spring, the starting rotation, like you mentioned, Lydia, putting guys away. We saw last night Kyle Lewis hitting the Grand Slam. We've (laughs) seen Jared Kelnick with his first career, uh, you know, Cactus League home run. I think Evan White, he or Jake Fraley, he had a home run last night too. So there have been a lot of, you know, guys who expectations have been placed on that have so far lived up to those expectations at spring training, and, you know, they're going to continue to, you know, get experience under their belts. And, you know, Yusei Kikuchi last year, you mentioned his first year in professional baseball in America. He had so much to deal with. Well, the other day, against that Angels lineup, he looked really good. Pitch on the way. Strike three called. Profire is caught looking. Back-to-back strikeouts for Yusei Kikuchi, a breaking ball in the outside corner. He's retired the last seven Padres hitters in a row, and that's it for San Diego in the top of the third. What a start for Yusei Kikuchi. Yeah, five... Five Ks through three innings, I'll, I'll gladly I,
2: This was Scott's service on the adjustments that you say has made to his mechanics.
0: The adjustments you say has made with his mechanics, kind of smoothing them out, being more consistent, getting down the mound. You certainly saw the life on the fastball today, and we did not see that consistency you know, last year. We saw it for bits and bits and pieces at times you'd see it, but really, really good outing for him today. And then also we see Taiwan Walker, who pitched his first simulated game earlier this week. He's hitting 94 on the gun, which is great to hear because he was at like 85, 88 before spring training. So he's getting that arm strength back. This will be, what, his second year removed from Tommy John surgery, Mm -hmm. sort of in that same boat as Kendall Graveman. So if those two guys can contribute maybe, I'd say, at least 100 innings each, I would take that out of them, especially because they're so they're not that far away from having these debilitating injuries.
2: Yeah. Graveman is not that far removed from being an opening day starter for the athletics two years in a row. And then unfortunately, Tommy John having to have Tommy John surgery in middle 2018, I believe like July of that year, pitched in two Cubs minor league games last year as part of his rehab, but just wasn't able to fully make it back. Now, amping up getting back into the swing of things taiwan walker for his part too i i love this from him after the game talking about getting a lot of that sim outing
3: i did yeah it was good um finally having a fielders behind me and a, having a real umpire and stuff uh, but it was definitely a lot better than my last one um, i uh, my main focus was uh, my direction towards home plate and uh, just my tempo and stuff and i thought i did a really good job of that and you know, when I, I feel like when I do those things, everything kind of just falls in place and it did today.
2: He's just a calm, cool, collected customer. He's always just never gets too high, never gets too low.
1: Yeah, and what's it. great is the Mariners, again, like you mentioned, they're not asking the world from these guys. They're not asking Taiwan Walker to come in here and be a two or a three. He can be the, the back end of that rotation and there's not a lot of pressure on him to go out and be just this this top fledged pitcher, and he can Get back into the groove of things because he's not that old. He's still relatively young. And if you can get him to be a part of the process for the next few years, I know he's on a short-term deal, but if you can keep him here and and have him be one of those role players, I mean, that's exactly what you want to see from your team.
0: Well, and I think his first in here in Seattle, there was that expectation of they wanted him to be right. a number 2 or a potential ace At once Felix took his steps back. But that never came to fruition. You know, he had injuries, just ineffectiveness from Taiwan. Maybe he got into his own head a little bit. He goes to Arizona, takes his lumps there, and all of a sudden now the pressure of being a future ace pitcher, I think, is off of him. And we're seeing him pitch with a little bit more freedom than I think he's ever had in his career.
2: Athletes that are able to go through the Tommy John experience and not go stir-crazy – always what it that's just it must be so difficult to work at something every single day of your life and then all of a sudden be told you have to sit and you can't do anything or or you can do this one tiny thing on your rehab process you can do 5 reps of this or you can do 10 reps of this and he talked about that about just not going crazy during that time if you can mentally make it through that i think your toughness moving ahead there's a lot you can do and a lot you can accomplish he also became a father and that also puts things in perspective. He has familiarity here in this in this clubhouse. Now, he hasn't played with a lot of the players, pretty much only Kyle Seeger and actually Daniel Vogelbach, but like he still has familiarity in this community. I think that's a good thing. He's a great bounce-back candidate, as is Graveman.
0: It's wild to think that he's only played with Daniel Vogelbach and Kyle Seeger on this Weird. roster because it, <laughs> he was just here. Yeah. Like, he was here just a couple of years ago, and yet that the amount of turnover the Mariners have had in the last, Two to three seasons is just mind-boggling when you when you put it like that. Where these guys who you know you look up and down the roster, there are names that are familiar to Mariners fans, but it's just they weren't here a couple of years ago. And Taiwan Walker, looking around that clubhouse, he's probably like, "Wow, I'm I'm the old guy around here now." And he's what twenty seven? Twenty seven? Yeah. That yeah.
2: It's a great and a scary thing, but I think ultimately great for what the Mariners want to do and what a com- what they want to accomplish. That means there's a lot of youth there, and in the next couple of years, it's going to be really fun to watch it develop.
0: Coming up in the next hour, we take a trip around the NFL, look at some of the biggest headlines as free agency approaches. We got a CBA vote to get to as well, but coming up, we got college basketball in full swing. We got spring training headlines from across Major League Baseball. Even a coach getting his pink slip today in the NBA. Lots to get to in the Big Three. We get to that next right here at 710 ESPN Seattle.